It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. Tonight, 7.06 is the time of day. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 6.30. Ched, good to have you along for the ride. The Eskimos lose 45-24 in Calgary, fell behind 21-0, caught up to 21-17, and then uh, couldn't do much else after that as the Stampeders continue to be the class of the Canadian Football League. What a game going on in Hamilton. Nine and a half minutes left, currently 39-36 for the Tiger Cats. Toronto jumped out to a lead in that one, and uh, Hamilton has rallied, though obviously the game's still in question with plenty of time to go. We will keep you updated on Inside Sports tonight. I mentioned the Blue Jays losing today 5-3 to the New York Yankees. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.com. CA. All right, you want to text us, you can get us at 630-630. The phone number on the open line, 780-496-0063. You can email inside sports at 630chet.com, and you can get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. Later on tonight, Brent Sake is going to check in. He's uh, making time for us despite probably being quite tired, as he just finished a few hours ago playing in the world's longest baseball game at Edmonton Ballpark. So, yeah, they uh, will find out how much money they raised in the battle against cancer. Of course, Brent's been behind uh, several editions of the world's longest hockey game. We'll see how the world's longest baseball game went. I know Chris Sheets from Kissing Country 103.9 played in that game. Kevin Carius, who joins us once a week here on Inside Sports, was in that game as well. So good for them. Not the uh, greatest weather, obviously, over the weekend to spend a lot of time outside, but they get it done. So Brent will tell us exactly how it went. All right. Kel- Kellen Kennedy, working hard as your studio producer this evening. Kellen, I should say uh, hi to you. Thanks for working a longer shift today, man. Hey, no problem. It's, you, uh, you were here throughout the Eskimos game. How late are you working? Until midnight? Uh, no, not that late. I'm actually out of here. Well, you're out of here, so it's not too bad. Nine o'clock? Yes. What if I stay later? Do you have to stay as long as I stay? Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just sit at my desk. My orders nothing. is to... Escort you out of the building. Uh oh. Apparently. That's not so. good. That doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, again, you can always text us at 630 630. Our phone number is 780 496 0063. Thanks again to former Mayor Stephen Mandel for uh, coming into studio. Uh, great to get his perspective on the uh, process that has been, well, originally called the, the Downtown Arena Project. Now, 
Rogers Place. Uh, there'll be a bit of a ribbon cutting coming up on Thursday. The open house to the public, over 50,000 tickets claimed for that, will be on Saturday. So a lot of you are going to be uh, going into the building for the first time. As I mentioned, I've, I've been in it, uh, I think, four times this calendar year, including on Thursday. I did not see much of it on Thursday. Got to come in through a side door, basically down a hallway, out through the tunnel that the visiting NHL team will use and then we were on the visiting bench to get footage and interviews of uh, seven members of the Oilers skating with some lucky players from from Edmonton minor hockey. Uh, I mean, talking to uh, Mr. Mandel there, pretty clear to me that without this rink, that at some point in the near future, or maybe it already would have happened, uh, Edmonton would not have an NHL team. And if the Oilers would have left Edmonton it would have been possible I think for Edmonton to get an NHL team back and to do that the city would have had to build a new arena so so uh, I think some of the thinking was why not just do it now and why not just do it right I don't know if if Daryl Cates would have moved the team and been the owner of the team in another city, or if he just would have said, well, I can't get a deal done here, so I'm just going to sell the team, and if that owner winds up moving it, well, good for him. I don't know which one of those two things would have happened, but I I think one of them would have happened. It's certainly an an interesting um, time in our city's history, and a you know, more evidence of, of the passion that anything to do with hockey and sports can inspire in this country. As Stephen Mandel mentioned, while he was on city council, they dealt with, you know, many other projects, some of them more expensive or maybe more difficult to figure out than the arena project, but none of them uh, as perhaps more rife, as he said, with controversy and uh, misinformation. Uh, i got a text here. This person says, Rogers Arena is a playground for the rich paid for by 90% of middle-income Albertans and to be utilized by less than 5% of uh, Edmontonians. And again, I mean, there's, there, and I'm, you're, you're perfectly welcome to be against the arena being built. You're perfectly entitled to that opinion. I'm personally all for it. Well, guess what? I'm a sports fan, and I work in the sports media. Clearly, I'm, I wanted it to work out. Um, if, you don't, if, you don't, if you don't like it, if you don't like the deal, you're perfectly entitled to that opinion. But as, as I've said several times, you're not entitled to your own facts. And that texture there demonstrates that he or she clearly has not taken the time to actually learn about the deal and uh, how it's being funded and what a CRL is. It's just your typical, oh, why is the money coming out of my pocket? Blah, 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 wine, wine, wine. I mean, I'm kind of just sick of answering those types of questions because they're an 11 out of 10 on the ignorance scale. And in some ways, I feel sorry for people like that who just refuse to be educated and just choose anger and misinformation over any type of reality. That's fine. Uh, you know, in this type of job, you deal with that. And I'm sure Mr. Mandel dealt with that a lot as well. Uh, much more intelligent comment on the text line. This one actually a question. Uh, quick question. I don't know much about football rules, but how come the Eskimos kicked off to start both halves? That is a good question. The Eskimos won the coin toss. And in that case, you can say we're not going to make our decision until the second half. So Calgary took the ball to start the game. At that point, the Eskimos got to choose which way they went in the first quarter. So they decided to have the wind in the second quarter. 
Then for the second half, the Eskimos once again got the choice. And you can either choose the half or the ball, right? To have the half uh, or to take the ball, or pardon me, to have the ball or which end you want to defend. They said, we want to defend this end. So in the fourth quarter, we'll have the win. So therefore, Calgary said, well, we'll take the ball. So that's what happened there. So it doesn't happen often, but there uh, are times a team does kick off to start both halves. 46-36 now for Hamilton leading Toronto. My goodness, uh, what a game. Five and a half minutes left there. We have Brian on the line, 780-496-0063. Brian, thanks for calling. How you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, uh, just a couple of... I, I missed your show pretty well tonight, but I was just going to make a comment. Um, our uh, our kick return uh, specialist, Zoe's name is? Kenzel Doe. Yeah, I think he's got to go. He doesn't have much uh, of a burst, does he? No, no. You know what? I I think he. Um, I mean, he's he's had a fair bit of time here now, and it seems like he's running scared in, in some ways. And you know, instead of just bolting into the, into the uh, open areas uh, or or following blocks, he seems to be tentative. But uh, that that's definitely hurt us. Uh, and then as far as the game. Uh, the rest of the game, uh, I think we made a couple of mistakes, especially not gambling on third and one in the first quarter. Um, and then uh, that that uh, I mean, like I said, I missed your show, so I didn't hear. But that that uh, uh, high hit on on Riley in the first half there, that should have been a penalty, shouldn't it? Have? Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, I, I know the play you're talking about. No, the Eskimos could have challenged that, um, but Moss by that point had already used a challenge and lost the timeout, so I guess he decided not to. Uh, the quarterback, the, the rules change, as you probably know, Brian, the rules change slightly uh, on what you can do to the quarterback once he's outside of the pocket, but to me that looked like helmet contact first. So yeah. I would have I would have thought that would have been a penalty if it would have been challenged. As for the kick return game, I mean, look, Calgary got a return touchdown today. You saw uh, Kendall Lawrence for Saskatchewan, who used to be an Eskimo, run one back yesterday. He had, he had a few when he was in green and gold. Uh, Kenzel Doe has never really been close. Um, and and I, no. I was you know I was talking with uh, I was talking with Dave when he did the points after show until six o'clock. And by the way, I didn't talk much football in the first hour. I had Stephen Mandel in studio talking about the downtown arena deal. Um, the, the the Eskimos to me are an average football team. I don't think they're a bad football team, but I certainly don't think they're they're you know very good or even great like they were last year and I think a lot of the criticisms that I'm going to level against the Eskimos probably in the week to come are more in relation to how good the Stampeders are Um, I mean I think the Eskimos are good enough to beat Saskatchewan most of the time good enough to beat Montreal most of the time Uh, probably good enough to split games with BC. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how one game goes against... um, They have one game left against Winnipeg as well. And and you know what? They're they're good enough to beat Calgary if they do almost everything well and Calgary has a bit of an off day. You know, I I don't think they're a horrible team. I I just think they're an average team. And and the lack of a a kick returner who can swing field position is, is one of those average elements to me. Yeah, uh, I, I, I. So, what are you, are you saying that we're not going to win next week? 
I, well, I, once again, I'm going to say Calgary is favored. I think the Eskimos are going to have to push the ball and make bigger plays on offense, and they're going to have to avoid giving up big plays in the secondary. Now, those are both big ifs because those are, especially in the secondary, those are problems they've had all week. I do think the Eskimos are, are capable of beating the Stampeders, but let me ask you this, Steve. If the Eskimos and Stampeders played each other 10 times for the next 10 weeks, how many realistically do you think Edmonton would win? Two or three? Two or three? Yeah. Oh, are you asking me? Yeah, that's what I think. Oh, I, I thought. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would. I. I don't know. I. Here, I, I think that next weekend we're going to see a different game because I think we're going to make some adjustments. Uh, our offensive line has to be better. Yep. Um, and I think that we we're not getting enough pressure on uh, on Mitchell and. And I think that's part. That was part of the problem. When 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 you get pressure on him, he makes mistakes, just like any quarterback. Uh, but I I I would say, I think we're closer than you think because even even a couple of the calls, like it, it seems like when a when a team is whether whether they're lucky, you could say Calgary is good. Of course they're good, but there was a couple of really questionable uh, calls on pass interference on Young. Today. Well. Yeah, the one the one in the fourth quarter for sure. And I want to talk a little bit about pass interference later, Brian, because I think I think that uh, I honestly I know the the officials get dumped on a lot. The thing is, I think they're being they're calling it the way they're being told to call it. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, but you look at some of the calls today that were so like they were pivotal in the game and. That that last pass interference, which which uh, you know we got called on, that wasn't pass interference. That that was a huge pivotal play right there. Well, and look what happened with the Riders game yesterday. I thought that defensive back made a really good play to get, make an interception, and he got yeah. called for PI, and it led to the winning field goal. So, so I, I would agree that I think right now Calgary is better than Edmonton, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week because I think we're going to see. Uh, I hope Bell comes in. Did they did they say anything about Bell coming in? They or, haven't said yeah, no. Bell. What's that? No, they they didn't say. I, I I don't think Moss wants to dress both of them. No, well, so he, he should. But uh, why not give Bell the ball? Look what he did last week. Yeah, I mean White has a better resume overall than Bell. Bell was pretty up and down when he did play play last year, though. You got to remember that. But when he's he's had a couple explosive games, there's no doubt about it. Well, a couple of couple of big mistakes by Bell today too. I I don't know if it was the quarterback or you know the the one side pass where he dropped, and uh, he he just he didn't seem really sharp. Yeah, he made a couple of bigger plays, but I don't know. Bell had some momentum. I'd, I'd give him the ball. Yeah, we'll see. Brian, thanks for calling, buddy. I appreciate Thank it. You. Bye-bye. All right, Steve and Graham are on the line, but i got to take a quick timeout, and then you guys are up at 719 on Inside Sports. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Inside Sports on 630, Chet 46-36. Hamilton still up on Toronto, 2.53 left. The Eskimos lose earlier today, 45-24 to the Calgary Stampeders. Steve is on the line. Hey, Steve. Reed. Hey. I want your feedback on uh, a couple of things. First one, Reed threw, or, um, Riley's throwing for a lot of yardage, but we're not getting a, a fantastic result at 5-5. Five and five. I want to know if... Uh, with your chats with Morley or maybe with the coach, 
has uh, has the coach given up on the second stringer? I believe it's still Franklin. And he hasn't taken a game snap this season. He played some pretty good ball last year. I'd like your thoughts on that. And um, I'm hearing Riley is the highest-paid quarterback in the CFL, and I don't think we're getting the results. I'll uh, hang up and listen to your comments. Thanks. Yeah, sure. I I mean, when the team loses, the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy in town, right? I I don't think that there's... uh much thinking by the the coaching staff to to play Franklin um certainly the Eskimos offense has had some explosive moments they've had some sputtering moments um the the coach is an ex-quarterback Riley has a lot more experience than Franklin so I I don't think that that is a change that they're looking to make. I know there are always people who call in and say, "Well, you know, do it for a change of pace and and all that kind of stuff." Fair enough, but if you put Franklin into a game cold, less experienced quarterback, and he makes a mistake, then the criticism is going to be, why would you change the quarterback? Why wouldn't you let Riley tough it out? So, Steve, I I understand what you're saying. I know that question is going to come up whenever the offense has a tough game. I I don't think the coaching staff um, is, is... you know, on the verge of, of giving Franklin any more time. Uh, as far as I know, yeah, Riley is... I don't know if he's the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He's he's close, though, if he isn't. Well, I guess there's only nine of them, starters. Um, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, last year they won the Grey Cup. So, Riley got a new contract. Yeah, 5-5, five and five, I guess, isn't a lot of bang for your buck. How much of that is on Riley? I don't think it's all on Riley. I think there are a lot of more problems with this team than the quarterback. That's that's how I look at it. I mean, I look at the secondary and say, what's going on there? I mean, switch the quarterbacks in today's game and let Riley pass against the Edmonton secondary and Bo Levi pass against the Calgary secondary, right? So I don't. Mike didn't play a perfect game. Uh, the two picks were bad. Throw. I think one was a bad decision. The other was a bad throw. I'm not saying he's above criticism. I I just don't look at the quarterback position and say that's one that needs to be changed. My opinion. We have Graham there as well. Hey, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Uh, I just two two quick things here. Uh, I think uh, Calgary just had the way better secondary for one. There was they were batting passes left, right, and center. And I also think uh, Bo Levi just had way too much time on his hands the whole game. That's just how they. That's how they did it. What do you, what do you figure? Yeah, well, I think Calgary's defense is excellent. I mean, as good as the yeah. Calgary offense is, I, I think their their defense is even better. They were quick to the ball, and here's the thing that I noticed: um, whenever Riley scrambled, he still mm-hmm. couldn't find anybody. When Bo Levi scrambled, eventually someone came open, and I think Absolutely. that's because they can blanket our receivers better than we can blanket theirs, and. You know, again, I go. I hate. I, I've been saying this for a year and a half. So I, I, I try not to be one of those sports guys that has whipping boys. But how many times do we have to see Marcel Young get beat at this point? Yeah, you know that's just it. And oh, yeah. it's, it's tough. Ojo got hurt. That they'd be a better team with Ojo, but he's mm-hmm. but he's not there. Calgary's better, and I mean, I don't think it necessarily yeah. came down to effort. Dave mentioned intensity today in the first quarter. Okay, fair enough. Calgary's better. For the Eskimos to win on Saturday, they're going to have to play at 100%, and, and Calgary's going to have to drop off a bit. It's tough, yeah. man. Yeah, well, it's the physicality, and that's what they need. They need that intensity, and, and it was lacking today. It just it showed. It showed right on the TV screen, man. Graham, we'll talk to you again, okay? Yeah, thank you much. Bye.
All right. Can I fit Marcel in here, Kellen, or do Marcel now? Okay. Hey, Marcel, thanks for calling. Hey, no problem. Uh, thanks for having me on, Reed. Yeah. The, uh, here's, a, here's a scenario for you. Okay. Doe, I think, has been totally ineffective. Yep. So why don't we put Reed in, or not Reed, but Bell in as our punt returner, and then we can use him as a as a back. As a Kendall Lawrence type? If, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, the problem with Doe is he, he keeps looking for the hole, whereas Bell just attacks. He's going to go straight north-south, and he's going to hit whatever hole is there, and he's going to make that first guy miss. Whereas the problem we have with Doe is he can't make that first guy miss. Marcel, I would not be against that. And again, I hate to I hate to sound like I'm picking on one player, but Doe, and it's not it's not just the fact that Doe hasn't got a touchdown. How often has he made like a thirty yard return that he hasn't? Yeah, he hasn't. So and that's why I think we should put Bell in there. At least we know with Bell, he's going to attack, he's going to drive, and somebody's going to miss, and he's going to get. He's going to break one. Maybe yeah. not for a touchdown, but he's going to break one for 20, 30, 40 yards. You know? At this point, I'd be willing to try it because the special teams, uh, I mean, other than White's field goal kicking, we have below average special teams. Exactly. I agree 100%. Thanks for calling, buddy. No problem. All right. Uh, a little more on the Eskimos game with Morley Scott. Uh, Brent Sake from the world's longest baseball game still to come inside Sports on Chet. <laughs> This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. All right, so Riley and the Eskimos falling today to Hamilton. 45-24. Total offense, or net offense today, 498 for Calgary, 297 for Edmonton. The Eskimos uh, did rally a bit after falling behind early, but Calgary controlled this game. The other game just ended. Hamilton comes from behind to beat Toronto 49-36. That is good news for the Eskimos, as we already have to start watching this, as it keeps the Eskimos in a playoff position. Uh, currently, and again, there's uh, eight games left for everybody, but currently the Eskimos are fourth in the West, but they have a better record than the third-place team in the East. Toronto is four and six, so if the playoffs did start today, the Eskimos would qualify as a uh, crossover team to go into the uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, Harry texting in. He says, the Eskimos are what they are. Mid-level team, third or fourth best quarterback in the league. Matt Nichols is catching up, so Riley might be sliding down. Riley plays great against the weaker defenses, not so great against good defenses. Uh... Curtis from Leduc says, Hey, Reed, with the way the Eskimos played and the concerns with our secondary, do you feel that they will have a greater sense of urgency to go after NFL cuts? For example, Aaron Grimes. Morley Scott called today's game on 630 Chet. Well, Morley, I get asked about Aaron Grimes almost every show. He has been cut by the Philadelphia Eagles. He has a shoulder injury. So uh, it, it, I can't tell anybody more than, than wait and see. I mean, maybe the Eagles are keeping him around to snap him up again. We've got to wait and see with Aaron Grimes. Yeah, that's that's exactly the spot they're in with Grimes. Uh, I, I think he's been put on the injured list in Philadelphia now. I'm not sure. I thought Dave told me that earlier today. So it is a waiting game for everybody that's that's coming out of the NFL, especially they got a little window to sign with other teams, right? So they're going to exhaust all opportunities down south before they look north again to play. And Aaron Grimes not guaranteed to come back to Edmonton, right? Uh, there are other teams out there who would sign Aaron Grimes and go after him. After all, he's a 
he's an all-star in the Canadian Football League, so he won't be easy to sign. Uh, there might be a bit of a bidding war for a guy like Aaron Grimes, who is still very young and can, if you can lock him up, you'll be on your team and be a big part of your team for a lot of years. Yeah, well, and look, it's uh, it was it was tough today, and and the Eskimos secondary has been a uh, much maligned area of the team, and it, we we saw that again today, Morley. I mean, the, the way I put it is, I mean, I guess they didn't give up any long bomb touchdowns, but they give up passing plays that swing the field. Right? You might think, oh, if we stop them here, they're punting from their own thirty, and then all of a sudden they're on the Eskimos thirty with uh, you know a play or two. It happened a couple times in the game today, Reed. You're right. And in fact, you know, look at the first play of the game. I mean, right out of the missile uh, uh, it set up an early score uh, to make a three nothing game. But right out of the get go, they went deep. Then after the Eskimo scored the one touchdown to bring it a little bit closer, boom, he goes deep again to set up another scoring play. So yeah, they they give up. The Jones used to call them explosions, right? And uh, that's exactly he calls them because they blow up. Kellen, let's check the connection there with uh, Morley Scott because we're losing him a bit on the uh, phone line. I think he's on his way back from Calgary, so we'll see if we can get a better connection. Uh, Jody, oh, he's good. Okay, Morley, we got you better now? No, I don't think he is, Kellen. (laughs) Silence generally doesn't mean we have a good connection. Uh, Jody texting in, he says, Come on, Eskimos fans, it's one game. We are the Great Cup champs. I think there's way too much dumping on the players and not near enough questioning of the coaching, defensive schemes, and play calling, both suspect. Also, check the stats on Kenzel Doe. I'm pretty sure he has done a pretty good job overall. At least he doesn't fumble the ball. Uh, Jody also says, Nice to see Calgary go for two at least a a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that, again, I think that the Eskimos are an average team. And given where they were last year, that is disappointing. Jody, they, they are the Grey Cup champs, but you're not really defending the Grey Cup. I mean, it's it's a brand new team. It's not like boxing where you just get to go straight to the final and, and, and fight a challenger. you got to get back there. Um, I, I think, you know, this season has taken on a life of its own, just like last year did. And I think we've seen a drop-off in the quality of player in some positions for the Eskimos. Um, and compared to the best team in the league today, uh, they, they didn't stack up. Morley, do we have you? Yes, I'm here. Okay, good. Give me a sense, because I, I, I had a couple callers before the 7.30 news, and I made the point that, you know, when when Riley rolled out or was forced out of the pocket under pressure, couldn't find anybody. Bo Levi was able to roll out and eventually find an open receiver. You had a better view of it there, obviously, than we would have on TV. Can you give me a sense of, of how blanketing the Calgary secondary was today? Yeah, they were solid. I mean, they they really took away every receiver. And Riley had to run a lot, and uh, he had to get to the sidelines a lot and look for that, that open man, and he couldn't find him so many times. He had to throw it away or he had to dump it out and just hope something happened uh, through a couple of picks, I think, because of that situation. You're right, the, the, the DBs in Calgary really shut down the Eskimo receivers. And that's happened the last couple of games. The Eskimos have had some issues, especially with, with 4 and 87, the guys that everybody looks to to lead the way. They have had tough times getting open, getting yards. They're scoring touchdowns. Darrell Walker is getting touchdowns still. But he's not hot enough the yards like he used to. Adarius Bowman, I think this is three or four games now he's gone without a 100-yard game. 
they're just not getting the yardage through the air. But it's almost like he's uh, Stop around Walker and Darius Bowman. Now, all right. Well, all right. We're lo- we're losing Morley, but this certainly is his uh, point made there about the uh, the coverage for the for the Calgary secondary. And and I made this point earlier that and, and you know easier said than done. And this is, I mean, the Eskimos last year just weren't a good team. They were a, a championship team. Calgary. Just an aside here. Think about think about the Stampeders off season. You go fourteen and four, and you don't even make the Grey Cup. You think that's motivating? Think that might cheese you off a little bit? You know, like we talked a little, a lot about the Eskimos' motivation and trying to win another championship and and being the top dog. Everybody wants to knock off. How would you like to go fourteen and four and not even play for the championship? Think that might fire you up for next season and say, let's go get it again? I mean, the Stampeders are on pace to win fourteen games again. Or, uh, or maybe even uh, fifteen. Morley, we're going to try one more time. I don't know if this is going to be uh, going to be uh, any better, but uh, a, a game where um, you know the uh, just a, just a bad first quarter for the Eskimos. Uh, I mean, they they forced a field goal, and you thought, okay, maybe it's in control. In control, they just couldn't get anything going in that first quarter. All right, Kellen, that's it. Morley has the night off. We can't hear him. <laughs> so. We're not going to try anymore. What we are going to do is uh, bring you the post-game comments of Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley. You know, just uh, from an offensive standpoint, it just seemed like, uh, you know, the inability to make the plays you wanted to make downfield really seemed to hurt you. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a poor game by us. Um, But that was compounded by them playing a really good football game. So, you know, I don't want to take anything away from them. Their defense kind of had their way with us today. We could never get rolling every time that we seemed to kind of get into a a little bit of a groove. um, You know, we sputtered out. So uh, it's unfortunate that that's how it played out. But, um, you know, we get another crack here in a couple of days. It looked like one of those games, Mike, where you guys just couldn't get into a rhythm. Uh, and, and when maybe when the defense got – you scored some points to get back into the game, then the defense had a couple of holds later on, and you guys couldn't work together to get thing, get that momentum to keep rolling your way. Yeah, I mean, we did a little bit right going into halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, got the game back within striking distance, had some good momentum, and that was the difference, as you say. I mean, we put up a touchdown offensively. We put up a touchdown defensively, and we were kind of rolling a little bit. Um, you know, and then we came out and played the third quarter like we did the first quarter, just played flat. And, uh, again, just couldn't get in that rhythm, couldn't get keep that momentum, um, you know, and, and that's what shows up on the scoreboard. Uh, I guess the the adjustments that you make, I guess you can't really make too many, but uh, a lot of this stuff tonight or this afternoon seemed like it's, it is correctable. Like, it's in your it's in your front view. You, sh- you should know very clearly what you got to do to change things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we'll watch the film on it. It's going to be a short week, obviously. We all know that. But, um, you know, generally these games, the first game has no bearing on the second game, it, you, you know, because everybody watches the film and, and learns and tries to change certain things. 
again. You know, we lost this game last year, um, and we came out and, and won the next one at home, and, and that was a kind of a catapult for us for the season. You know, so we got a good opportunity to look at that tape, figure out how we can make some changes, and just ultimately play a better football game. I mean, the, the reality is they played a much better football game than we did today, and, and that's why they won, and we didn't. Rightly or wrongly, this game has really built up uh, the importance of it, and it, at the end of the day, it's just two points in the standings every year, but the buildup is quite big to it. Uh, how difficult is it to go on after a big buildup to a game and then lose it like this? How tough is it to kind of refocus and reboot going into next week? Well, it's not tough for me at all. I don't think it's tough for our guys, especially playing as poorly as we did today. Um, you know, if I know my team like I think I do, I'm pretty certain that everybody wishes we could just go out there and play the next one right now. So, um, you know, we'll get a couple of days to think about it and stew over it even more. But uh, after you play games like this, uh, the best medicine is just to get back out on the field. All right, that is your quarterback, Mike Riley, after today's 45-24 loss to the Calgary Stampeders. The Stampeders on Labor Day have won seven of the last eight. They have won five in a row one off their all-time best streak. They won six straight from 93 to 98. On Labor Day all-time, Eskimos 30 wins, Calgary 24. One game ended in a tie. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. A lot more to come. We'll tell you what went on with the world's longest baseball game over the weekend. And Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the ice today as training camp begins for Team North America. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, 749 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You heard the commercial there. We're going to have live play-by-play of the World Cup of Hockey. That'll start on September 17th. Uh, we'll have the uh, primetime games for you. We'll have the semifinals and the best-of-three final. We're also going to have the Oilers games from the Young Stars Tournament in Penticton, so uh, that'll be fun. And then, of course, all the Oilers preseason and regular season games once we get rolling. So, Team North America under head coach Todd McClellan starting their camp today. Connor McDavid centered Jonathan Druin and Mark Shifley. Jack Eichel was with Johnny Goudreau and Brandon Saad. Austin Matthews was with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Nathan McKinnon. An all number one draft pick line. JT Miller and Vincent Trocek, who's uh, an injury addition to the team, alternated rushes on a line with Dylan Larkin and Sean Couturier. The defense pairings, Aaron Eckblad and Morgan Riley, Colton Pareko, Edmonton kid with Shane Gostisbehere, Seth Jones, and Jacob Truba alternated turns with Ryan Murray. So, McDavid with Druin and Shifley. Uh, it's interesting. I saw I saw David Staples from the uh, Edmonton Journal tweeted out an article. He did a bit of an informal poll, and he said, what are you hoping for from the World Cup of Hockey? And the number one response, I think it was around a third of the voters, said, all I'm hoping for from the World Cup of Hockey is that the players on my favorite team don't get hurt. Uh, it, it is an interesting beast, this tournament. For those of you old enough to remember the, the Canada Cup tournament, which uh, when I guess started in 76, 
what did they have it 76 81 84 87 and then 91 and then that morphed into the world cup in 96 and then what 2004 was the last one so it's not really a regular world cup like it is in soccer the, uh, I mean, the Canada Cup of my day, of my childhood, and certainly to me 1987 was the pinnacle of that, was a, a very intense six-team tournament played in cities across Canada, featuring Canada, the Soviet Union, Czechoslovakia, Finland, Sweden, and the United States. And it was an opportunity to have an actual best-on-best tournament. Because the Olympics at that time were not best on best. NHL players did not go. And uh, the Soviet Union often won the gold medal in those tournaments. Remember, it was the Soviet Union, not Russia at that time in the 1980s. Uh, so, and now again, you got you to remember, uh, just speaking from my personal experience watching that, I, I was 13. So kind of the ideal age to, to watch hockey because you're understanding it better, but you're not totally, uh, you know getting cynical about contracts and free agency and the business side of it. And it started in August and went into September, and the 1987 tournament was incredible. The the three games in the final between Canada and the Soviet Union remain, I believe, some of the best hockey ever played in terms of the quality of players, the wildness of the games. I mean, Canada came back from 4-1 down in the first game, went up 5-4, the Soviets tied it, and then won in overtime. Game two went to double overtime. Grant Fuhrer made an incredible glove save to save the tournament, I think, in the first overtime period. And then Mario Lemieux won it in the second overtime. And then, of course, uh, the third and final game, you know, again, Canada falls behind, fights back. Was it the Howard Chuck and Tockett and Sutter? The fourth line kind of got the comeback going. And then the famous Mario Lemieux goal to, to win it with a minute 26 left. Cops Coliseum in Hamilton. It was, it was absolutely nuts. Um, I don't get the sense this tournament is going to quite spark that. I think for several reasons. All the, I mean, with, with few exceptions, all the best Soviet Russian players now play in the NHL year-round, so we see them all the time. I mean, were this 1987, we would have only a... I, I don't want to say a vague knowledge of an Alexander Ovechkin, but we wouldn't really know how he would stack up against NHL defenders and goaltending and all that kind of stuff. We have a pretty good sense of that now. And the Olympics, since 1998, has become the best-on-best best tournament. And I know there, there are a lot of you who feel this is an extraneous tournament that at best might be mildly interesting once it gets to the playoff stage or at worst will indeed cost the Oilers or other teams their best players because somebody's going to get hurt in this tournament. Eight teams times 23 players each, so you got 180 players around. Odds are somebody's going to get hurt and have to miss some of the NHL season. Yeah, it was John Tavares that got hurt uh, during Sochi, wasn't it? And then Set the Islanders back, you know, I don't think they were the same team for the rest of the so, season after, you know, right? Right, so. whether it's an Oilers player, it's Sekera and Dreisaitl or on Team Europe. So, and here's the thing, with with Team North America going into it, um, who are you cheering for? Are you going to cheer for 
North America because they're the young guns and they have McDavid? Or are you going to cheer for Canada because you're, you're going to cheer for both? Who's like they're not in the same pool? So it's certainly not the clear division we would have had again to reference 1987. And let's face it, it was our way against the commie way. That that was the thinking in the 70s and the 80s, right? But I mean, I, I, this is going to be politically incorrect to say now, but it's like, let's beat those dirty commies who will win all these Olympic medals only because our boys aren't going. Well, now our, our boys do go to the Olympics, and we don't think of them so much as dirty commies anymore. Um, but what since the Olympics have gone to the NHL players being involved, Canada has won three of the five gold medals, and they did it pretty darn convincingly in 2014. And I I would expect as long as pros keep going to the Olympics, yeah, I think Canada should probably win the gold medal half the time overall. But Reed, Reed, what about the merchandising? All the funky new sweaters for it. It's money, baby. It's money. It's money. There's no doubt about it. And that's why there's a Team North America, to get all the young guys into the tournament, have a fancy jersey, get people interested, all that kind of stuff. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, for the purity of competition, the World Cup probably isn't for you. But I'm guessing most of you will watch once it actually starts. Here's a great cause. The world's longest baseball game. Organizer Brent Safe when we get back. Six thirty Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on six thirty Chad.